Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Reel. And I'm Pete Wright. And remember Hawkeye? He can fly a plane. <laughs> He's back. That's right. Today, we are talking about Minute 105, which begins with the brother tussle and ends with Hawkeye and Black Widow spotting them. Back on the show, we have Ewan Graf. Hello, Ewan. Hey, guys. I can remember a few brother tussles in my day, so (laughs) this is a fun minute. I'm looking forward to talking about it. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, okay. I mean, coming in off of the Thor film, this is our first time uh, we're really getting to see these two fully engaged. We've had some moments between the two of them. Thor obviously catches him earlier in the film, and they have their little moment at the cell before Loki drops him out the bottom. But this is really where they get into it, and uh, they're relationship certainly continues over the course of this franchise of the ups and downs but this is a nice little moment of them fighting i mean how does this uh do you like the way that this little battle plays here as the two of them take up arms against each other i think it's fine i i i mean i i guess i like it i always stop with with loki screaming as he jumps which seems so weird (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I love, so it. Weird. I love it. It's just it's just weird. But I don't know. See, I'm gonna I was an only child, and so I never had a sibling jump off of a high place and attack me. So I don't know what feels legit here. Like I know, it just, it's very relatable, so I can it's I very- can't <laughs> So I uh, so that's that's kind of my disconnection. But I think one of the things that this minute does really well related to the fight specifically is something that I do think the movie does does well in the Battle of New York, you know, speaking more broadly, which is meanwhile, this is happening with other characters. There are a lot of these flyby passes where we have, you know, we started a fight with Loki and Thor, and then they cut to other stuff, and then they have the planes flying by the fight that is still happening with Loki and Thor. And I think giving us, like, maintaining a sense of place with all these many characters we have to keep track of in this fight, actually, they do they do a pretty darn good job. To your point, there is a real strength with the way that the film is constructed, and that was probably one of the things that they were working on the most, is like, how can we have all these people doing things and still track what they're all doing and and find ways where it's not just a bunch of individuals, but in some capacity, they are actually working together. And I, I think that there is an element here with all of that. And certainly we're seeing that with this minute. I do like this, uh, this uh, fight between Loki and Thor. I do wonder if Loki is doing it because he thinks he can defeat Thor, or is this just another distraction, or is he just angry? Does he think that because he has the scepter, he kind of has the upper hand? It does make me wonder if he tapped Thor on the chest, if he could mind control him, but obviously he's not going for that. So I'm assuming no, but... Again, I don't know. I really kind of love that in the scope of this fight, you know, we've talked about a number of fights and how I think the the one we've liked the least was the one between uh, Nat and Clint on the catwalk in the helicarrier. But here you've got this great fight between Mjolnir and the scepter, and obviously the scepter can hold its own, but I love there there's that moment where Loki swings the scepter at Thor, who ducks out of its way, And then Loki continues spinning it until it comes all the way back around his neck, and he holds it over his shoulders and blasts Thor. And I'm just like, you know, that was actually kind of a a cool little action move that we have with Loki here. For sure. And do you notice all the sound feels amped? Like when they, they've always, whenever the Mjolnir hits something metal, particularly of Loki's when they're fighting, you hear kind of that gong show 
boom. Like it just feels like this. That's a sound that shouldn't come out of those things <laughs> because they're mythic weapons. But it this this fight, it seems like the gong is louder than ever. And uh, it, it, there's something really satisfying that uh, about that for me. Yeah, like a, a resonant tone that feels yeah. a little more solid. Almost like spiritual, like this is a church. <laughs> this is the bell, the bell of St. Peter's or something like that. Yeah. We do get the start of the setup for the, the letters and the changing of the building as, uh, you know, Thor blocks Loki's uh, shot with the scepter and it hits the RK in Stark and the K goes flying off the R kind of splinters into pieces and uh, so far, now we're just left with STA. I wonder what else is going to happen to this sign over the course of the rest of this. <laughs> I wonder if, like, only S and the rest of ARC drops off if they, in the T stands, if they just call themselves Team. <laughs> <laughs> T for Team. Right. Does that, does this part feel a little bit manufactured? Like, were you guys, when you first saw this movie, do you have any memory of being able to call that particular shot that it would end with a big A? I suppose the only thing that, uh, I don't think I thought that, but, you know, we've talked about this with the font choices and how the the way that they did the titling at the start of this film, that A and this A, like, it's the same A. Yeah. And I wonder if there was some element that uh were like oh like i wonder if i caught like oh they use the same a in stark you know i don't know i don't know if i would have caught that though i don't i don't think i caught it but now i can't unsee it like once you see it it feels like oh okay they're tetrising the a for avengers i definitely noticed it on a rewatch but because they don't just go for just the a stance after this one blast and it's just like implied that later on there's more damage done to it uh i feel like it's 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 a bit of a more subtle in the least way a subtle note can be uh, <laughs> way to, to bring that up i feel like it, it's it's a nice touch i like it more than the like avengers line or when they try to weave that into like the the dialogue something that i can just can look at and it's an a and it's avengers my brain goes oh yeah i noticed that that's cool Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. And and to your point, Pete, the way that the they use the falling letter and how it crashes down on on the uh, Grand Central below, it does create that nice uh, transition from we were up high, we were watching this fight, we followed this letter, we see where it lands, and now we're cutting to destruction in the streets. Like, there is some editing in this that genuinely works well to kind of shift us as we're going from one location to the next. And this is one of them that... the And the handheld, like the way that they choose to shift to handheld here, this is exceptional. And this is a moment that actually does feel very authentic in the scope of kind of like what they're kind of trying to create with this attack. You can do anything with a whip pan, Andy. I don't know if you knew that. Anything. The magic of the whip anything pan. Anything you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do see some police car pull up um, these cops are pulling up to the corner of Madison and 42nd Street, and then uh, Iron Man does his flyby, several Chitari chariots in pursuit. This is the point where the Quinjet finally shows up. We hear Natasha call in over uh, the radio, Stark, we're on a three heading northeast. And I have to ask the same question Tony does. What, did you stop for drive through They are in a Quinjet, which flies... Uh, you know, at least as fast as Tony can. Why do they take so long to get here? What the heck was going on? Because nobody on the helicarrier had any idea where they were. Pit stop in Budapest? 
Yeah, nobody knows where they are. They went <laughs> flying in the wrong direction. I think we've covered that, that the helicarrier was lost somewhere over New Jersey, New Jersey <laughs> falling at an indecipherable rate. I, uh, I struggle so much with this. Like, the more I think about this, the more it bugs me. I don't think I ever noticed it when I first watched the film. But the fact that they are flying in a Quinjet, which can fly, you know, really, like, I can't remember. We, we talked about how fast. So it's like the whatever Mach yeah. 2 I can't remember it's, it's, it goes very fast just like Tony but they take so long to actually get here and it's just it's one of those things that bugs me the more I th- uh, the more I think about it because I'm like why would they take so long to get it's not like they were stopping along the way to pick more people up like I could have understood if there was <laughs> something like we got to stop and get Hulk or Bruce or something but no they're just flying just like Tony is but I mean, I can't remember what minute he arrived here at the top of Stark Tower, but I mean, it's been like 10 minutes that they've been floating around. And it just, it it speaks to me. Actually, the one thing that I thought could have actually made me buy into this is like, what if there is a hint of Clint still being mind-controlled by Loki, and there's something in here that's making him not fly as fast as he should? That's the only thing I, that I can I can click with. Okay, I'll let you have that. It's just like that Fight Club thing you mentioned the other day. You can keep that. That's fine. <laughs> I I think I think uh, I think Hawkeye is finished with his dalliance with the dark side, and he's he's back. I do think that the again, you know the. The Quinjet moves exactly as fast as as witty dialogue requires. Yeah, which generally we run into a lot. With this yeah, film. a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could explain it away if maybe the Quinjet runs Gattaca as well, and they were just a bit <laughs> distracted on the way down. The, yeah, exactly. Right. They started playing Galaga and yeah, Galaga, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, couldn't uh, couldn't get past that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm just looking back. I mean, it was let's see, ninety eight. No, 99 is, I think, when they take off from the helicarrier. And when Tony, that's when Tony first shows up and, and confronts Selvig. Okay, so it's been five minutes, six minutes. But still, he's there, and they can fly as fast as him. And it's just like, why? I mean, they could have been flying side by side. I don't know. Maybe they're... They really could have been flying side by side. <sighs> anyway, okay, anyway. quibble. I will move past this. So. Noted. Um, but this is where we actually do start getting some sense of teamwork here. And this is, I suppose, the benefit of what they're doing here. Because, uh, you know, they show up and they're instantly, you know, working as a team. Tony tells them, swing up Park. I'm going to lay him out for you. And so we do. We actually see them uh, go up Park Avenue and he comes across and the Chitari uh, pop out right in front. And this is also the point where we do have to start wondering about stray shots uh because not necessarily from the bad guys which of course there are plenty from the chitari but really uh, this is the point where we're going to start having the good guys just shooting all over the place trying to hit these chitari and there's going to be just devastation and destruction all over the place and again i go back to my you know conversation a few minutes ago about the idea of uh, putting this in new york but it's, it's like it is what it is you know we're just gonna we're just gonna destroy the city <laughs> Yes, because New York has a history of knowing how to rebuild. That's why that. That's why that's okay. <laughs> they know how to clean. It's like it's like give it to Mikey. He'll eat anything. Just put the fight in New York. They'll clean it up. New York's strong. Yeah, New York's strong. 
Hashtag New York strong. Yeah. <laughs> New York yeah. to get us strong. Yeah. New York to get us strong. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, we haven't actually asked this yet, Ewan. Were you a reader of the comics ever, or were you just kind of coming into the MCU more through the films? Uh, definitely more through the films. And then I read certain storylines. A, a mutual friend of Lachlan and mine actually had like a bunch of physical comics. And whenever we hung out with him, on a social, you know, just hanging out socially, I ended up just reading comics instead of talking to them. Um, so <laughs> there's a few storylines that I quite enjoy, but it's it's just I kind of dipped in and out of it. But uh, it's I, I guess a bit easier to just follow along the with the 40, 32 movies that they got in the MCU other than like the countless amount of comics that you could dive into. Yeah. Although even like looking at the number of films nowadays, it's like, God, they just keep cranking these things out. There's so many. Yeah. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's so much Marvel fatigue going on in kind of general these days, especially with some of their films really underperforming mm-hmm. what the, at least their expectations. It does make me wonder if they are going to start thinking about doing some slowing down a little bit and kind of reevaluating. Maybe we focus on quality projects instead of just constant projects. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that would be ultimately what would be better for, for everyone for like, especially how they've been cranking the, uh, VFX, um, industry with their projects. It's just, uh, yeah, rather do less projects, give them a bit more time and polish them a bit more. And ultimately we get, we get better stories at the end. Yeah. Right. Right. Do you have, uh, any particular films from the MCU that you would say are your favorites? Uh, yes, I'm a Guardians boy, and why would I say boy? I don't know, <laughs> Star-Lord, I don't know. <laughs> I really love uh, 70s rock and like 80s rock, so to me, I love all of the, the entire soundtrack. It's usually what what I listen to, just like to, to chill, and it just is that impersonated into a movie. And I, I really like the, the entire like Guardians trilogy and how they closed it off as well. I, this is like the most consistent to me the MCU has been throughout like one storyline, um, to me. So probably that's my favorite. And I like Winter Soldier quite a bit as well. Uh, the original, uh, Iron Man. And then of course you can't go, can't leave like the infinity, uh, conclusion of the infinity saga with infinity war and Endgame unmentioned here. Sure. 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 There definitely are peaks and valleys uh, through the franchise. It's definitely had some some moments that work better than others. In the scope of big final battles, I mean, we're going to be talking to you today, and then uh, two weeks from now, we'll, we'll you'll come back and we'll talk about minute one fifteen. Um, but in the scope of like big battles, like final battles, final fights at the ends of the films, um, like where does this one stack up with some of uh, like what would you call your favorites? Well, it's, it's certainly better than Age of Ultron. <laughs> okay i really like infinity war that's that's my favorite uh probably out of out of those and then to me i only kind of picture the avengers right now because it's like the, the big scenes but yeah uh, i mean i don't know there's something about just like dancing it out even if the villain is not as great in the original guardians movie it's so <laughs> silly but also kind of but kind of fun uh but I think the MCU is a bit stronger with bringing together certain characters that have a, a bit of a quippiness with each other uh, until it has become a bit more overwhelming, where like everyone feels kind of replaceable with the, the dialogue that they get. Here, I feel like it feels more 
cater to the personalities. So I, I always kind of am looking more at that over a big action set piece to, um, yeah, to, to cap it all off to end the movie with. It's kind of what, it, what I'm focusing with. So I can't really pinpoint one down right now. I get it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting uh, being such a fan of the Guardians trilogy because, I mean, those are definitely a strong one. And James Gunn clearly has a very kind of comic booky sort of mentality and vision the way that he kind of always has constructed his films. I, I certainly think that there's something there with those. Um, but also, I think there's something that he's done very much like the Avengers in. And, uh, you know, I don't really know if people have compared this much but just the fact that the guardians is another team like it's it's not like iron man thor captain america the guardians is a group it is another team movie and and to that end uh, it, it's very interesting that in the scope of all the avengers films that they also have the guardians of the galaxy as their own entity but also part of the larger whole and i do think that he handles this the the group dynamic incredibly well which also we saw in the suicide squad like i think that's something that gun does well i was just gonna say gun has kind of a natural affinity with making people feel making teams feel well represented on screen you don't get the the characters don't really get lost i don't i i think he i think he's great at it even in like there's the suicide squad is so far off the the rails compared to uh even the wackiness of guardians of the galaxy like it's just it's just crazy and uh and yet it still feels resonant yeah it'll be interesting to see what he does with kind of like now that he's over in dc land just kind of like helming up all of that stuff and uh, you know obviously he's had to deal a lot right now with kind of the everything going on with the flash but i i, I don't know I'm, I'm curious to see where they go moving forward i feel like you know for every uh one of him there's a zaslav that's gonna somehow try to tear things down and make it that much more difficult you know mm. yeah yeah and also tonally being a bit different uh taking on the superman legacy film uh right that next film that is very much not focused on a team probably just on more of a singular character uh to see him do that obviously not as silly as something that he's done with like super you wouldn't go that raunchy <laughs> but <laughs> yeah uh, right right to kind of see him do that uh you know go from from super to superman that's the the true <laughs> uh yeah the, <laughs> the american filmmaking dream or, or interestingly, like throw Brightburn in there, which I, I know he didn't direct, yeah. but was certainly very much involved. And like, clearly he has a draw to kind of that type of story, right? And so mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting mm -hmm. to see where he's going to go with, with Superman now. Yeah. Well, we're kind of a little uh, straying a little bit from this particular minute, but we've kind of hit the end of it as we get kind of uh, everybody's fighting. And yeah, we end this minute with. Uh, the Quinjet flying up toward the top of Stark Tower, and Clint spots Thor and Loki up there and calls out to Nat. That is where the minute ends. Um, any last thoughts about anything going on here for either of you? I uh, really like how the Quinjet just like halts in air and the sound effects that goes along with it. Uh, I feel like that's really neatly put together there. Uh, stood out in, in a positive way to me. It's something that, um, yeah, seeing the way that they're operating that as as a jet that is able to kind of hover, do what it needs to do for its its vertical liftoffs, all that sort of stuff. The way that the wings open up to reveal those 
um, the the uh, fans in there, like everything about it, it. It's a cool jet, and it's clearly something that you can see that they've um, spent some time putting together and processing the way that they're going to make it work. And yeah, right at the end of this minute, as it comes up there, it's cool the way that you can see its wingtips kind of angling out to kind of uh, change its trajectory and everything. It's It's a very cool jet, so good call. All right. Well, let's wrap things up uh, for today and this week. Uh, Minute 105 will close it up. So, Ewan, uh, thank you again so much for being here for uh, for four-fifths of the week this week. Four-fifths <laughs> of the <Yes>. week. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Uh, we are thrilled. Uh, tell everybody again one last time this week about your podcast and where they can tune in. Yes, you can find us everywhere under the Quiet On Set podcast. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it on all platforms. I don't know. I've said Perfect. it so much this week. If you've been listening, then <laughs> I feel like if you're not interested at this point, then I'm probably not going to get you, but I certainly appreciate it. If well, you I will just say, like, over. by the time, by the time these actually go out, you'll have coverage of films that you saw at Cannes. Exactly. And we'll have short reviews. We'll have quiet on set reviews. We'll have a full, uh, recap of the entire festival. Heaps of stuff around, um, yeah, gun and some extra stuff that we got in the works as well. And you have the, you're going to, you're going to have your kit right in there. You're going to be, are you going to be, I assume, doing some live recording and streaming from Can, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. We're doing a few live streams from there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, fantastic. Uh, uh, Just fantastic. So, yes, by now, even if you haven't subscribed already, go see the can stuff, which will now have been released by the time these episodes go live. Subscribe quite on the set podcast. Well, we'll be back next week with another guest, everybody. So uh, tune in for that. uh, And we'll be back with you in two weeks. So, uh, Pete, thanks as always. Do you know what Loki can't mind control, Andy? A Quinjet. That's next week. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yapo. Find the show at truestory.fm, If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.